today in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. I've been waiting a month to preach this message. I don't know when we're going to end. And it's not bless him, Jesus. It's bless you, Jesus, is what needs to happen here. Thank the Lord. Verse 26, And he hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation. So God created all of mankind from one blood, the Bible said, to dwell on the face of the earth. He's appointed certain times for things to happen. And he even set the boundaries of countries and nations and whatnot. That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he not be far from every one of us. Though he be not far from every one of us. For in him, in him, we live and move and have our being. As certain also of our own of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. I want to lift that last clause out of verse 27 and preach to you about it this morning. Though he be not far from every one of us. Every one of us. I want to speak to you for a little while today about the value of his presence. The value of his presence. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. David asked in Psalm 139, beginning with verse 7, he said, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell or the grave, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. He listed various places that he found God in. He found God in the heavens. He found God in the grave. He said, if I rise with the sun in the east and settle in the west beyond the sea, even there, God would guide me. God is everywhere. Your adaptation of this may be something like this. Where can I go to get away from God? If I go to the rehab clinic, the ICU, if I'm going through a divorce, If I run away from home, if I get bitter, if I backslide, if I go to jail, if I start using drugs, even in the darkness of such challenging times, you have to conclude that God is still with me. In other words, you cannot go where God is not. Physically, mentally, Emotionally, domestically, it doesn't matter. God equals everywhere. You will never go where God is not. I would like for all of you to envision 
the next few days of your life? Where will you be? In school? Work? Home? A meeting? Perhaps out of town? Perhaps in your car? Or even on an airplane? In a hospital? Surgery? Court? Maybe you'll be at the funeral home with a loved one. In my scripture text, Paul said, while preaching on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, he said that it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what country you live in, what race you are of, he is not far from each one of us. Let me elaborate a little further. Each of us. Everybody say, each of us. God does not play favorites. From the masses on the big city streets to the most isolated villagers in valleys and jungles, everybody, everywhere lives and moves in the presence of God. But everybody doesn't enjoy the presence of God. They can, but they do not. There are people here today that doesn't. They plod through life as if there were no God to love them or care for them, as if their strength was their own, as if the only solution to their problems come from within instead of above. They live Godless lives. There are people here today that fits that description. But on the other hand, there are mighty Christian warriors among us, people who can sense, see, hear, and feel the presence of God, people who pursue God like Moses did when he was given the, seeming, the seemingly impossible task of leading the one million plus Jews out of Egypt. He no doubt thought, how am I going to provide for these people? How will I defend them against our enemies? Moses needed supplies and managers and equipment and experience. So Moses asked for some help. He said, now, therefore I pray thee, in Exodus 33, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he, God, said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he, Moses, said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, then carry us not hence. Moses preferred to go nowhere with God rather than go somewhere without him. I want to say that again to those that didn't catch it the first time. Moses preferred to go nowhere with God than to go somewhere without him. David found himself in what he thought was a godless place. The king of Israel had an affair with the wife of a soldier and then tried to cover up his adultery and murder and deceit for about a year. He tried to hide from God, but he could not hide forever. When he finally confessed his immorality and sin, he made only one request of God. He said in Psalm 51, Hide thy face from my sin and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. 
heart and renew within a right, a right spirit within me and cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He did not pray to take away my position or my crown or my kingdom. He did not pray, do not take away my armies and my family and my friends. David knew what mattered the most and it was the presence of God and he begged God for it and I feel still the same way today. God, do not cast me away. We should do likewise. Make God's promise our passion. To make God's presence our passion. How do you do that? You become more like a sponge and less like a rock. Let me say that more Pentecostal. To put it in our genre of understanding. We should become more like a sponge, the sinner man who's never known God before, than to become more like the Pentecostal traditional I've heard it all, I know it all, and I don't really need it, rock. You place a rock in the ocean, what happens? The surface of it gets wet. The exterior of it may change color, but the inside of the rock remains untouched. On the other hand, you put a sponge in the, in the ocean and notice what happens. It begins to change. It absorbs the water. The ocean penetrates every pore and alters the essence of the sponge. God surrounds us the same way the Pacific Ocean surrounds a pebble on its floor. He is everywhere. He is above. He's below. He's on every side. We choose our response. Do you want to be a rock here this morning or do you want to be a sponge? Do you want to resist or do you want to receive? Do you want to blame God? Be careful. Hard hearts never heal, but spongy ones do. Every Open every pore of your soul to Him. Remember, you are in His presence today. I think this is pretty good preaching. I think, I think it's pretty good preaching more than you do right now. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord, would you? If you want to be like that sponge that I just talked about, the first thing you do is you lay claim to the nearness of God. In Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible said, For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. One translation said, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you. In the original Greek, this passage has five negatives in it. It can be translated this way, I will not not leave thee, neither will I not, not forsake thee. Somebody here today needs to grip this promise like the life preserver that it is. Repeat it to yourself over and over until it drowns out the voices of fear and doubt. Zephaniah said, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rescue in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. This is what the presence, this is what the presence of God does. Hallelujah. I'm glad you 
Sweet Pentecostals are so excited to hear Pastor preach today. Talking to you about the presence of the Lord and you ain't impressed. Have you forgotten where you were when God found you? Have you forgotten the shape you were in when you came in contact with the power of the Holy Ghost for the very first time? There's people here this morning were on the brink of divorce. You were addicted to substances. You had all kind of mess going on in your life. But when you walked into the presence of God, you found that He is mighty and that He is willing to save, that He will rejoice over you when nobody else wanted to fool with you. I think about ten more people need to stand to your feet and say, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the presence of God. Tell him about it. Somebody tell him about it. Hallelujah. I also know that it's possible to lose the sense of his presence. It is possible to think that God is no longer with me. I've gone through those moments myself, and so have most of you. Job did in the Bible. He said, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, and I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. One translation said it this way. But if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. Job felt far from God. Yet in the midst of his inability to feel God, he made the following resolve. In verse 10 he said, But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come out, I shall come forth as gold. Job makes a gritty determination. And I submit to you today that difficult days demand strong, resolute decisions of faith. The psalmist concluded in Psalm 56, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. When you are down, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so distracted within me? Put your hope in God, for yet will I praise Him. It is a mistake to equate the presence of God with a good mood or pleasant temperament. God is near whether you are happy or not, whether things are going well or not. Sometimes you have to have enough discipline about you to realize that God is as close to me as the mention of his name. I can't go where God is not. Oh, my. Sometimes, sometimes it's a good idea to take your feelings out behind the woodshed to give yourself an attitude adjustment it's imperative that you carve out from your bible 
a long list of the deep qualities of God and press them into your heart and mind. It could read something like this, that God is still sovereign. He still knows my name. That angels still respond to his cause. That the hearts of rulers still yield to his bidding. That Calvary still has the power to save the lost and forgive sin. The Spirit of God still dwells in the church and in his people. That heaven is only one heart beat away, that the grave is still temporary housing, that God is still faithful, that he's never caught off guard, he's never unprepared, and that God uses everything for his glory and for my ultimate good. He uses tragedy to accomplish his will, and he is always pure, perfect, and right. Sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God bears fruit even in the midst of our trial and affliction. And changing times lay hold on the unchanging character of God. Well, I might as well just shut this down and quit. I ain't doing anybody one ounce of good here today. You folks are sitting there staring at me like you've never heard me preach before, and it's making me nervous. Have I been gone too long or something? Bearing my soul here this morning beyond my capability. We need to understand that when our soul gives way, he then is all my stay. Some of you may disagree with what I'm about to say, but I believe it's okay sometimes to pray your pain out. And this is where I want some folks to start listening here today. I think it's okay sometimes to pray your pain out. That is to pound the tabletop with your fist to go stomp around your backyard. Sometimes honest and tenacious prayers are in order. Is anybody here today ticked off with your life and God's choices for it? May I reference my own experience in the past few weeks. Sister Murphy will tell you I've gone through moments where I've really been ticked off at what happened to me ticked off about why it happened and the way it happened. And somebody would cause me to lose control of my motorcycle and hit Florida Boulevard head first and tear my skin off and break bones in my body for no reason and then leave as though nothing happened. I've been angry at this whole situation and I've been very careful to tell God about it. Jay, I still feel like I owe you an apology for some reason. Man, I just do. I want him to go home that day and call him about being baptized. And another person drove into my lane and disrupted that whole process. I still haven't called him.
Are you angry with things that's going on in your life? Perhaps things that has gone on in your life and you still get angry about it. There was a man in the Bible that did. His name was Jeremiah. He got angry. Yes, he did. The Old Testament prophet pastored, pastored Jerusalem during an economic, a time of economic collapse and political upheaval. The country had been invaded by their enemy. There was disaster everywhere along with exile, hunger, and death. It was everywhere. Jeremiah saw it all. He so filled his prayer time with complaints that his prayer journal became a book in the Old Testament and it's called Lamentations. It goes something like this. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me he is turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with all gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about and that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He's talking to God about God. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my veins. I was a derision to all my people in their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. He has removed my soul from far, uh, far off from peace. I forgot prosperity, he said. And I said my strength and my hope has perished from the Lord, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance, and he has humbled me. But Jeremiah had a list. Things that he pressed into his heart and mind pertaining to the character of God. He had a list. And this is where he reached that point in his prayer that he got out his list. And he said, This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because His compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm here to tell somebody today about the value of His presence. Oh God, do you love Him today? Would you clap your hands and rejoice in the presence of the Lord? Hallelujah! I will have you know that Jeremiah infused five chapters 
with this type of fury, disappointment, and anger. You summarize the bulk of lamentations in one sentence that life is truly horrible. Why would God even allow such writings in His holy book? Might it be for us to follow Jeremiah's example? I would to God that somebody here today would pour out your true feelings and get it off your chest and go ahead and file your grievance as the psalmist did in Psalm 142 when he said, I pour out my complaint before Him. I tell my trouble before Him. If you would, God could liberate your spirit, your attitude, and He could heal the brokenness of your heart today. You listen to pastor today Everybody listen Notice the screen right now It is better That you shake your fist at God Than to turn your back on God You let that sink in for a moment I hope there's a backslider listening on or watching Facebook or live right now or live stream. I would to God that somebody hears this in the next few days. Yes, you can shake your fist at God. And the Bible is full of people that did. And God does not take your anger lightly. And neither does He just arbitrarily set it aside. But He listens to your disappointment. But He will remind you of that list. He'll remind you of that commitment. He'll remind you of times that He stepped into your life and He stopped things from happening. And He healed your brokenness. And He brought you this far. And He forgave all of your sin. He'll remind you of that. And He'll remind you that His mercy is faithful and that His compassion fails not. And He is with you every moment, every hour of every day of your life. You cannot go where God is not. Augustine said, How deep in the deep are they who do not cry out from the deep? Words may seem hollow and empty at first. You may mumble your sentences and muddle your thoughts, but please don't quit. And please don't hide. I want to encourage somebody today to cease isolating yourself, to cease from using weekends as a getaway, to cease being a hermit, but instead become a barnacle on the boat of God's amazing church. Jesus said in Matthew 18, Again I say unto you that if any two of you shall agree on earth as a touching anything that they shall ask. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. If you need for something mighty to happen in your life, start hanging out with God's people. Tap their faith and get them to pray. Would the sick avoid a hospital? Would the hungry avoid a food pantry? Would the discouraged abandon God's hope distribution center called the church? Someone needs to understand the value of His presence. 
Moses and the Israelites battled the Amalekites. The military strategy of Moses was a strange one, to say the least. He commissioned Joshua to lead the fight in the valley below. Moses, on the other hand, ascended a hill to pray, but he didn't go alone. He took with him Aaron and Ur. While Joshua led the physical battle, Moses waged another battle in prayer. Aaron and Ur stood on each side of Moses, and while Moses prayed, Aaron and Ur held his arms up in the air. The Israelites prevailed because Moses prayed. Moses prevailed because he had others praying with him. God is waiting on you today. Life as you once knew it may not exist anymore, but one thing still remains, and that is the presence of God. Your job may be gone. Your friends may be gone. Your family may be gone. But God. But God. In that emergency room that Sunday several years ago, Everything fell apart for Dave and Farah and Dawson and Elaine. I regret to go here, but it's something you'll understand. Everything fell apart, but one thing remained the same. When y'all got that call at three or four in the morning that day, whatever day it was, the Wheeler's life fell apart, and they've been devastated ever since. But one thing has not changed. Grief did not grab a hold of either one of these families and drag them to a place where God is not. I'm sorry to mention this again, but this is the inspiration of the whole message. When I was ejected from that motorcycle and I hit Florida Boulevard going about 50 miles an hour and I landed on my head, everything fell apart in my mind. I knew I was in trouble. But one thing, remained the same. And from that day till this, it's remained the same. He did not leave me. As a matter of fact, within oh, just a couple of weeks of recovery, God has given me a new assignment, and I don't know what to think of it. Maybe one day I'll share it with you. I've shared it with a couple of people, only about two people. But he's given me. He's trusted me with another assignment of something I have to do. I thought I had placed a lot of value in the presence of God. I preached it over and over and over that I never want to spend one minute of one hour of any day of the week without him. 
I've never asked God to make a departure from my life. I've never asked Him to do that. It's not even possible. But I have a value for His presence today that I didn't have a month ago. And when I hit the pavement, when I tumbled down Florida Boulevard, tearing the skin off my arms and down the side of my body, there was one thing that stayed the same. I want everybody to listen to me. I want to say very boldly this morning, I'm the man of God in your life right now, and you listen. If you're watching on live stream, you listen. You do not fix a struggling marriage by having an affair. You don't fix a drug problem by doing more drugs. You don't fix debt with more debt. You do not get out of a mess by making another one. What you do as you keep your life firmly planted in the presence of God. That's what you do. There's enough people here today that if you're honest, you will affirm what I'm about to say. The reason a lot of our lives are in a big mess today is because we abandoned the presence of God. You will never go wrong by doing what is right. If you'll stand with me this morning as I bring this to a necessary conclusion. Let me share with you this story. It'll take a minute, but listen carefully. You'll never go wrong by doing what is right. Thomas made this discovery born in 1899 to a Baptist pastor and a church pianist. Thomas was exposed to music early on. By the age of 12, he was imitating the jazz music of the African-American community in the Deep South. In his late teens, he went to Philadelphia and then to Chicago, where he played in various places. And somewhere along the way, Thomas forgot his faith. He compromised his lifestyle and turned away from his convictions of his youth. His talent opened doors for him, but his conscience would not let him rest. Long nights on the road left him exhausted and weary. A relative urged him to turn to God at the age of 20, and he did with an encounter with God that later inspired him to write these words. My inner being was thrilled. My soul was a deluge of rapture. My emotions were aroused. My heart was inspired to become a great singer and worker in the kingdom of God. Sounds to me like he was filled with the Holy Ghost is what it sounds like to me. He poured his energy into God-honoring music. Rhythm and blues met worship and praise and 
The result was a brand new genre of toe-tapping, soul-lifting music. Thomas took a position as a music director at a church in Chicago, and at the age of 26, he finally met the love of his life, got married. He started up a publishing company and founded the National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Courses. By 1932, Thomas was really enjoying the blessing of God at full throttle. Happy marriage, growing ministry, and his first child on the way. Life was good. But in one single night, everything would change. After singing to a St. Louis audience, he was handed a Western Union telegram that read simply, Your wife just died. He would discover later that she died while giving birth to their child. Thomas headed back to Chicago where his newborn child died the next day. The musician fell into a deep crevice of grief. He avoided people and grew angry with God. He said later, I just wanted to go back to the world of jazz that I knew so well. I felt like God had done a terrible injustice and I didn't want to serve him anymore and I didn't want to write any more gospel songs. He secluded himself, nursing his anger, sorrow, and bitterness. A friend seemed to know just what he needed. He took Thomas to a neighborhood music school that evening while the sun was setting. Thomas sat down at the piano and began to play and pray. And as he poured out his broken heart to the Lord, these words started coming out of his mouth. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. For I'm tired, I'm weak, and I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. When the way grows drear, Precious Lord, linger near. When my light is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call. Take my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on. For the rest of his life, Thomas A. Dorsey testified that the Lord healed him that night at the piano. And he went on to pen more than 3,000 gospel songs and became one of the most influential songwriters of all time. You know why? Because he learned the value of his presence. I'm asking someone here today to do the same. Turbulent times will tempt you to forget about God. Shortcuts will lure you. Times will distract you, but don't be foolish and naive. Do what pleases God, nothing more, nothing less. I'm asking somebody. I'm demanding that somebody learn the value of His presence here today. And as they begin to sing softly, is there anyone here today you would like to stretch out your hand and say, take my hand, precious Lord. 
Folks, there's comfort today in His presence. There's healing in His presence. There's peace in His presence. The psalmist said with joy, would you draw water from the well of salvation? Would somebody today reach heavenward? Could you ascend your attitude and spirit today above your bitterness, above your loneliness, above your brokenness? And say, take my hand, precious Lord. I want to know the value of your presence. The name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, reach. Come on, somebody, reach heavenward. This is your moment. This is where God steps into your life. This is where God steps into your life. This is where God changes everything. It gives you hope like you've never had before. Come on, somebody, embrace Him. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on, somebody. That's right. Let the Lord have his way. Let the Lord have his way. Let the Lord have his way. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes. Troubles vanish. And hearts are mended in His presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Feel free to pray with somebody standing next to you. Feel free to pray with somebody standing next to you. Oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> 